Hello and welcome to another episode of Healing Through Pain. I'm your host, Steph, and this is a show that dives into health and healing where we discuss how to show up well for the responsibilities and opportunities that life sends our way. Today we're going to talk about the need to radically accept where we're at before we're allowed to move forward as it relates to the wellness domains. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'd like to start off with basically one core anecdote to guide us through the episode. So on Monday, we had talked about the different wellness domains, and there are interpersonal and intrapersonal wellness domains. And one of the interpersonal ones, and interpersonal means we're going to intersect with other people, by and large, one of the interpersonal ones that many people seek out counseling services for is the intersection of relationship and finances. That can be such a sticky issue for couples. That's for people who are going into coupling, for people who have kind of been recently coupled and they're trying to figure out how to navigate financial mismatch. And even some who have been together for years and years and are still struggling to get on the same page with finances. So this is an interesting area because finances can cause such a ripple effect through many different pieces of domain wellness. So if I'm in a financial cul-de-sac, there's going to be an emotional strain on me. There's also going to be stress, which often is going to have some sort of physical manifestations. So whether it's loss of sleep or dysregulated sleep, whether it's heightened anxiety, whatever that looks like, often we're going to have some physical expression of stress. Finances also can become a sticking point for people's vocation. So one example is I know many teachers who feel that they are somewhat underpaid and they're emotionally pouring into their jobs and the fact that they feel undercompensated really takes away from some of the job satisfaction that they have. So finances can also have some sort of implication as it relates to our vocational wellness. Finances are going to allow us to engage in certain types of recreation and the lack of finances is going to stymie certain types of recreation. That's just basic logistics. So when clients want to come in and talk about finances, I'm acutely aware of the ripple effect that damaged finances has on domain wellness. I'm also acutely aware of the rippled benefits that come with addressing financial struggle. So I had a client come in this last week and they were, one of the first questions I ask is, what would you like to make sure we focus on tonight? And they were like, you know, nothing's really coming up for me, except I'm feeling really frustrated with finances because I was going back to work in a couple weeks here from being off work for a surgery recovery. And I wanted to get a budget done, but I just haven't been able to do it. It's too stressful to think about. And so I use this as an opportunity to say, okay, tell me about the stress. What What's going on there that it feels overwhelming to you? And the client said that they refuse to check their bank account because they're scared of what it's going to say. But that fear does doesn't stop them from swiping their card or from making charges. It just stops them from acknowledging what they're actually doing. So is there damage going on? Are they a-okay? They have no concept of it because they refuse to look at the evidence. And what is going on in our brains when that happens is we're not using the frontal region of our brain that's for processing and reasoning, that prefrontal cortex. When we don't have parameters to what we're dealing with, often it's in the fear center of the brain. It's in that amygdala. It's in that hijacked piece that sends us into big emotional reactions. And so even as I was talking to the client, I could tell that they were uncomfortable. Their eyes were dark around. They really just kind of looked off kilter and upset. And so I asked permission if we could spend some time in session at least organizing 
a piece of their finances. So maybe it was a launching point for them going into the week to start grappling with a budget. And they were very on board with this. And I did premise it by saying, I wonder if when we get your finances a little bit more squared away, if you will actually experience not only physiological relief, some anxiety relief, some relational relief. I said, I feel like there's going to be a ripple effect here if you take the time and effort. We'll create an infrastructure here today, and then you're going to have some work to do after session. But I said, I really think you're going to see a ripple effect in different areas of your life if we tackle this. And what we're in essence doing is we're taking an ill-defined notion from the amygdala and we're bringing it into that prefrontal cortex and we're going to start organizing it. And here's the thing, with this particular client, either way, if we're accruing mass debt each month through ignorance or if she is sitting in a surplus each month just because she's not spending the full extent of what they have, either way will be okay because we just have to figure out what's factually happening. What does the data say? And then from there, we can start to make choices. And so I asked her, okay, start listing things for me. What are the main bills? And so we went through many different transactions that takes place in her month. And then I said, talk to me about the inputs. And so we wrote up what it looks like financially for the incomes that she and her husband brings in. And the cool thing is, after we put pen to paper, she's in a context where there was so much wiggle room to scale back in some things, to reappropriate funds in certain directions, and to really experience not only less distress, but if she's willing to budget and if she's willing to pay herself appropriately, and if she's willing to stick to a few best practices, we took a really scary situation and we made it tangible, achievable, and actually pretty simplistic for her to engage. And there was plenty of money to work with there. Now that's her story. That's not necessarily everyone else's story. But let's say it was a big significant deficit. At least then we know. And then we can start tweaking. And then we can pull things back. Or we can look at where are there more inputs needed and what would that look like. But not knowing is just not a solution. I mean, it is a solution. It's just not one that we can call healthy. Ignorance is bliss. It's not really a thing if you're trying to be an adult. It just doesn't happen well. It doesn't lead us towards health. One of my favorite people, once upon a time he was my nutrition coach and now he is my weightlifting coach. One of the things he says is, if you're not someone who wants to eat vegetables, you're doing food wrong because there's copious amounts of different choices that you have. So if you don't like broccoli, don't eat broccoli. If you don't like kale, don't eat kale. No one's holding a gun to your head. No one's making you eat those things. But you don't get to say that you don't like any vegetables and that you're unwilling to eat vegetables because because you're an adult. And if you're an adult, grow up and eat your vegetables. And I feel like it's the same thing with finances. I get it. You might not want to do a budget, but guess what? You're an adult. You really, I'm going to say you do have a choice in the matter, but you don't have a choice in the matter if you expect to be a healthy person. And here's the thing. If you're a parent and you are indiscriminately spending money, you are leading your kids down a pathway where you've normalized recklessness. So if not for your benefit, what about for theirs? Kids need to be intentionally invited into spaces of healthy inputs and healthy habits. They're going to learn it from you, or they're going to learn recklessness from you, or they're going to learn passivity from you, or they're going to learn discipline. Whatever it is, they're watching, they're learning. If you want to be healthy with your finances, and you start making that a daily practice, and you start having success there, you're normalizing that for your kids. And that is such a generous gift to impart 
to the next generation because then they're not wondering in their 20s or in their 30s or in their 40s how the dickens they're going to climb out of a boatload of debt or how to go and reconcile their checkbook. Is that actually still a thing though? I'm not sure that's a thing. I don't have a checkbook, so I assume my younger generation also doesn't have a checkbook. But either way, we have to know how to at least reconcile our finances. And if no one's showing them, kids aren't going to know how to do it. So parents have the responsibility to model and to help kids understand what's going on with finances, but they have to do it through leading by example. With the client, I walked through a few best practices. Like I said, there was disposable income there that we could work with, so that was really good in her story. But one of the things, as I said, first, we have to be radically honest about what's currently happening. Every dollar spent has to be accounted for. The good thing is you only have to do this once. You only have to put pen to paper once, and then as life changes, you can start making tweaks. So they were going to drop one of their TV packages at the end of football season. Cool. So now we take that particular expense and we're going to take that amount and put it into a column of money remaining. So we do have to have some flexibility as life changes. We might have to tweak things, but once we know what's currently going on, we have the opportunity to tweak things with the best available information. In her story, there was a lot of debt going on. And I said, if we're being candid, I think you have to figure out ways to avoid any new debt. Now I get that life happens and and you'll have to reconcile cost-benefit analysis at some point if a new opportunity comes up that might lead you towards debt. But I said, if you expect to have health here, I would radically urge you to reconsider taking on any new debt until some of the other stuff going on here has been cleaned up. I also encourage her to make savings an intentional part of the budget. So if you're living a lifestyle of, well, whatever's left over, I'll pop it into savings, unfortunately, you're going to shortchange yourself quite often because life happens and Starbucks happens and going to the movies happens and that cute new sweater happens. And then suddenly savings is looking quite scant. I almost said scanty and I think I was thinking back to the sweater there. I don't know what that was about, but we'll move right past that. Either way, what happens is if savings is whatever's left, you're just not going to follow through on it the same way usually as you would if savings is part of the budget. The next thing I said, you cannot pre-spend money in anticipation of the next check. You have to get the next check in hand. You have to pay your bills And then you can choose to spend, but even then you should have sanctioned amounts for spending. That's what reasonable adult-like behavior looks like. But because that's true, paying ourselves has to be part of the process. I deal with a lot of clients and I myself struggle a lot with what's called a scarcity mindset. Anyone who goes through a restrict and binge cycle in any part of their life, often there's a scarcity mindset running there. So people who are kind of proverbial Monday dieters and come Thursday, it's felt too restrictive. So they go really far in the opposite direction or people with compulsive spending where they haven't spent for several weeks and then suddenly they drop a few hundred dollars because they've missed the sensation of spending. There are many clients that deal with that. And so trying to avoid any type of restrict binge cycle is paramount. And one of the ways we can do that is by paying ourselves as part of the budget. And so for me personally, I take out X amount of cash each week out of my paycheck and it's in my purse. So if and when I want to go out and spend money, 
It's just there for me. If I don't spend it for the week, the next week I'll add to it. And now I have more disposable income that if and when life stuff comes up, I'm covered. And I encourage each and every listener to think through where does paying themselves show up in their budget? And if it's not showing up, you probably need to reconsider it. Yes, discipline matters. So too, though, does recreation. So too does relationships. So too does emotional health. Finances can play a pretty big part in struggle in other domains if we're not intentional in this area. And the last thing I said to her is you have to commit to the long game. Consistency over time is going to win in the financial game. Now, consistency over time in any life domain is imperative, but financially, it has to be about the long game. So those are the best practices I wanted to give her. Goal one was to take it out of her crisis center and put it into her prefrontal cortex and help her come up with sound understanding of what's going on in her life and accept where she's at. And from there, we can start to make choices. It has to start with acceptance of where we're at. That goes for any particular health domain. And I think finances is one of those great spaces to land in. As she focuses on finances, she will reap benefits in the marriage. She will reap benefits emotionally. She will have more choices vocationally because that's something she's interested in as well. She will have shifts happen recreationally. It all matters. It all adds up. So this is just an anecdote I wanted to use to illustrate the ripple effect of focusing on one space of life. If we focus in one domain, there can be really cool benefits in a whole bunch of other areas. Intentionality, consistency over time, come up with a plan and stick to it. That's where we're going to leave it today, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. I do want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. I hope you have fun tomorrow. Or if you're listening to this after Thanksgiving, I hope you can look back fondly on whatever happened. Thanks so much for taking time to spend here. I appreciate it. And I look forward to seeing you guys again next week. Have a good rest of your day.